Father God, I thank you. I thank you. You've gathered us together this morning in this way. Uh, it'd be, from our point of view, even more personal if we were face to face, but we are not. But we do thank you for the blessing of hearing the voices of our dear ones and being in this fellowship together. Please help those that uh, can't connect who want to, and uh, may that be worked out. Father, we pray for those that aren't with us who normally would be, uh, that you would uh, give them a great blessing today on this special day for many, Father's Day. You know, Father's Days and Mother's Days and honor, rightly so, uh, fathers and mothers for what a great privilege and blessing that is. And so, Father, I just pray for each one that you would... Uh, Comfort the hearts, encourage, uh, and uh, that the children would be in various ways a blessing to their parents. So, Father, we would just ask that uh, of you for your great work. Father, uh, we pray for our nation and the dark days that we are in. Uh, there are many seeking the destruction of this nation, that it might be destroyed, that it might be brought down not improved, but destroyed, and then rebuilt on the basis of other ideas and other principles other than a constitutional republic <clears throat> and the goals uh, that were there when our nation was founded uh, based upon, Father, the recognition that rights are not given by government, but by you and only you. And government is there only to uh, watch over and in, ensure the uh, uh, the blessing of order and peace in, in our in our days, that we might serve our days honorably, uh, walking with you, Father, and in the glories of your grace. So, Father, I, I just pray for our nation, of course, as we always have been and do, that and we cry out to you, Father concerning many who are suffering greatly in this nation uh, because they do not have the liberties, already have lost the liberties that uh, were enshrined in our founding documents. Father, I pray for those that guide and lead this nation, especially our president, but certainly all those that serve with him and those in every level of government that uh, desire the best for our people and our our nation. Father, I pray for them that you'd give them great courage because there are many enemies and the enemies seek destruction of those that would stand for truth and justice in the true sense, Father. Uh, so, Father, we, we pray for those that stand for that, that you would protect them guide them, direct them, and encourage them and give them great victory. And we pray that the enemy would be destroyed. Of course, we're praying for protection for all of us, all of our loved ones from the dreaded uh, virus that still is active. And uh, I pray for great protection for all of us and for all of those we care of and all of your people, Father, and all those that uh, stand in need wherever they may be. Please use these 
trials in this life to draw many to yourself, saving faith. So, Father, as we open your word today on this uh, Father's Day, I pray that you would uh, bless us with it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Okay, well, I want to say something to begin with about <clears throat> mothers and fathers. Fathers without mothers and mothers without fathers. <laughs> uh, it's not that which God has ordained. So <laughs> uh, it happens in the course of life. But um, mothers and fathers together are a great blessing to one another. And yet today we're thinking more of them as their children are concerned. What a, what a blessed privilege it is to have them and uh, to honor them duly as uh, is merited and proper. So what a blessed privilege. Uh, as fathers, our wives depend on us. They respect us, whatever their personal costs of being wives and mothers. And if we lead well together, both father and mother, our children grow and prosper under our example. Uh, and that's a most blessed uh, privilege indeed, right? Sometimes I think our mothers are to be honored even above our fathers since the costs of motherhood are so high in ways that fathers do not uh, share. But either one uh, is honored by God and... Uh, they both have a special place in our hearts for them. Uh, and that's the way it should be. The generations that uh, follow in our footsteps are blessed incredibly by our example. Uh, sometimes it takes years uh, and years to realize that fully. Uh, there's a famous and well-known example of that in the book of Genesis. And that is... Uh, a man who was humbled in many ways uh, named Jacob. And uh, he wrote these words recorded for us in Genesis chapter 48, verses 15 and 16. He wrote these words about his father and about his grandfather. His father, of course, was Isaac, his grandfather Abraham. And he wrote these words when he was near death as he was blessing his grandchildren with these words. He said this. Imagine this. It's the family arrayed before him, the generations. He says, God, before whom my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, did walk, the God which fed me all my life long unto this day, the angel which redeemed me from all evil, let my name be named on them. So Jacob is looking at his grandchildren, Joseph's children, and uh, making this uh, wonderful, transforming comment concerning them. You see here the great blessing of being a father and how one's children should honor and respect their fathers 
appropriately according to the will of God. He says, let my name be named on them. That's a statement concerning Jacob's testimony, right? It's not only about his father and about his grandfather. It's about he himself and the great blessings that had flown to him through faith, right? And that faith was modeled by his father and by his grandfather. And the modeling was effective. It took many years in Jacob's case to reach this point in life where he would say, and he calls God, my God, in another place here, where he would say, let my name be named on them. The name he's thinking of there is not Jacob. It is Israel. And his name was named on them. Okay, so uh, that's what I'd like to say about fathers and of course about mothers too. To our Lord God be the glory for all the great things and the great gift uh, to us, his children, as we honor our wives, our fathers, and uh, our children, and as they honor the same. So praise the Lord for fathers and mothers. Well, we could say a lot about fathers today. We will say something about that as we go on. Let's uh, look into the final verses here in Second Thessalonians. Uh, I've mentioned before that there are some great contrasts expressed here in chapters 1 and 2 of this letter and also in the first letter uh, is a series of contrasts between the children of God and the uh, children of the enemy as it were uh, between believers and unbelievers it's such incredible contrast and Paul is uh, by the power of God mastery of expressing those contrast here in these words. Um, last time we looked at, at, at again at chapter 2, and I think one focus uh, last time was on verse number 7. And again, consider this in the light of the contrast. He's looking forward into the tribulation period because some will refuse to believe the gospel of grace, and then they will find themselves in the great tribulation period uh, because after the rapture which will only take from the from this earth the believers at that time unbelievers will be left behind and go directly into the tribulation and what he says is there's a special working of satan during that coming time which will capture the minds of those that have rejected the gospel so that they cannot believe and that's what we looked at before so verse 7 the mystery of lawlessness though he says is already working so that great work of satan at that time is already working today he says and uh, certainly has been working throughout the dispensation of the grace of god and the church is uh, holding back the work of satan but eventually will be removed and then once the church is removed it says in verse 11 God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all might be damned to believe not the truth, but had pleasure in 
unrighteousness. The great contrast is then made in the next few verses, and he ends that section with these words concerning the believers, right? Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, there it is, God our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. So great uh, blessings are there for believers. How does God see us? He sees us as his children. It is the love of God, the Father, that we are to enter fully into, right? So uh, one could speak about God the Father on Father's Day, and it would be quite appropriate. Uh, many, I believe, have not learned well about the love of God, the love of God the Father, and may, maybe have some difficulty with the concept, but I hope not. But uh, God is able to give us understanding. And uh, certainly, uh, at verse 16 there in chapter 2, says so clearly, <laughs> what a wonderful thing. In fact, Paul writes this way uh, in several of his letters. Again, I read it. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, who hath loved us and given us everlasting consolation, and good hope through grace may comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. So Paul is contrasting the hope of the believer with, can I say hope? I can say expectation. It should be the expectation of unbelievers that eventually the time of judgment will come. And I've heard atheists and agnostics say that when that time comes, they will shake their fists at Almighty God in rage, right? In other words, they do know that the time of judgment is coming. What Paul writes of is the working of Satan, right? And he says the mystery of Satan's working is already uh, visible. And that has been true throughout the dispensation of grace, where signs, wonders, and miracles are used by Satan to deceive many. Okay? And, of course, the ones who are more likely to be deceived are the ones looking for such deception. Right? And so uh, Paul writes uh, that we should be beware of that kind of thing, because that's exactly the tool Satan will use in the coming uh, period of judgment upon this earth. He will use great signs, wonders, and miracles, greater than any the world has seen uh, worked out by him. Of course, the world has seen even greater miracles than anything Satan can do. Of course, that is uh, at the cross and then the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? But Satan's work will be uh, visible. The problem is, people will be deceived as to its uh, source and nature. Okay, 
Paul mentions traditions also in chapter two. Um, I won't remind you of that. You remember, though, the traditions that uh, he mentions there were very practical indeed. Uh, and we're going to look at that again today because in chapter three, he refers again to traditions in the same regard. Okay. Well, for a title for today, I would call uh, our message today Honoring Paul till the end. Honoring Paul until the end. Why? Because he is our example. Okay. So first of all, honoring Paul unto the end in prayer. Secondly, in life. Thirdly, in authority. And then finally, wrapping it up, we will read his final blessings on the church. Paul's final blessing on the church. Okay? And so let's start out today. We're looking at the whole of chapter 3 of Second Thessalonians. We won't be finishing the letter today because I want to go back and pick up a few what I consider to be uh, not loose ends, but at least uh, it would be well to review before we leave Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians behind. Okay, so first of all, honoring Paul until the end in prayer. And I'd like, Lisa, if you'd read that for us, uh, first five verses in Second Thessalonians 3. Okay. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified, even as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. And we have confidence in the Lord touching you, that ye both do and will do the things which we command you, and the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. Thank you, Lisa. Okay, so what stands out there? Well, the Apostle Paul, who's written this letter to the Thessalonian believers, asks them to pray for him. Okay, what does that indicate? Well, it indicates if they should do such, if they will pray for him, and he says he's confident that they will, what it indicates is that they have a profound respect from their hearts for the Apostle Paul. They see Paul for who he is. When we pray for someone, we pray concerning our care for them. That's deep in the heart. It's not a superficial thing. We're praying from the heart, right? I trust. And... Uh, that is for others that God will answer our prayers. So that's a wonderful thing indeed. Um, so Paul asks, one of, Tom, you have your uh, mic still uh, open, okay? Ah, he fixed it. Good. <laughs> Sorry for that uh, break there. But um, when, when uh, Paul asks uh, the believers to pray for him, he's not saying just 
gives some words. He's talking about pray for me from the heart. Okay. Uh, and what does he ask for? That the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified, right? And that they may all be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men because the unreasonable and wicked men carrying out the will of the enemy, right, would shut down the word of the Lord from going forth. But Paul says he's confident, verse 3, the Lord is faithful, who will establish you and keep you from the evil one, evil one. <laughs> uh, and so he says, I have confidence. And, uh, and the way he writes it there in verses 3 through 5 shows incredible an incredibly large confidence in the Lord concerning all of these matters, right? Uh, Paul is very confident the Lord is working and that he will work in the lives of the saints. And he knows that because he knows the Lord has been working in his life. And notice how he writes it. Um, we have confidence in the Lord touching you that you both do and will do the things that we command you. So Paul is exhorting them, and we've seen many ex exhortations here in these letters to the Thessalonians, and he's confident that they will receive his word as the word of the Lord, right? And that they will walk in the path that has been set by God for them. Paul is only the vehicle, in other words. And then in verse 5, And the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. So the exhortation there is unending, just that it might go on and on and on until the final point. What is the final point? The call of Christ into heaven's glory. So he says, let this characterize your life. May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God. God the Father, right? The love of God. And into the patient waiting for Christ. Christ's uh, return for us is the next thing on the plan. <laughs> if you just look at it from the highest level. Okay, so profound respect for, I mentioned for fathers to start with, and um, notice he does mention here the love of God, fatherly love. Um, well, it, it's appropriate that we consider fathers just for a moment. I'm going to just make a few comments. The word father is used Somewhere, I didn't count because there are too many, somewhere between a thousand and two thousand times in the Bible. <laughs> there are interesting things about the word. In most languages, most ancient languages, I don't know if that's true still, but it, I believe it is. Uh, and I would include not only the Hebrew and Arabic, but also uh, Latin and also Sanskrit and Eastern languages. The very first words of a child uh, that are uttered seems like the the larynx is made for this to say words that sound like the word father or mother, one or the other, right? 
generally father. <laughs> it's very interesting. Um, so it's like our our voices are made uh, to call out to fathers and also to mothers. Okay, so uh, that's interesting. Paul uses the word a lot. Um, 15 times in Romans, 11 times in Ephesians, and nine times in First and Second Thessalonians, he uses the word father. Much of the time, he's talking about God, the father. And that's how he uses the word, God, even our father, right? Um, and God is our father in more ways than one, as you well know, not only physically, but also spiritually, right? He also uses the word in reference to human fathers uh, who also are uh, in more ways than one are fathers one would hope, right? Um, so that's uh, simply a fact. That's how Paul uses the word. And uh, just for example, in verse 7 of Romans chapter 1, he says, To all that be in Rome, beloved of God called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. A common uh, entry point uh, in Paul's letters. God our Father. He emphasizes that over and over because it is the love of God that we as believers have been privileged to enter into. Uh, he also uses the word uh, in other ways, of uh, 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 men, uh, when he mentions Abraham in Romans 4, a couple of times at least, and calls him in verse 11 in chapter 4, the father of all them that believe. Right? So uh, that's uh, interesting. So by the analogy, God our father in the absolute sense and our human fathers are uh, to be honored similarly. And they are to be responsible towards their children similarly as well, right? Um, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11, you remember these words from when we were studying there. <clears throat> he says, You know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children as a father does his children we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you so what a privilege it is there are many places as i said where we could go to study fathers uh, in that regard but we'll skip over all of that now except i can't help but just read <laughs> A couple of verses. I just can't help it. First um, Corinthians 4:15. For though you have ten thousand instructors in Christ, yet you have not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. And uh, four or so, five other times, he refers to his spiritual children. Oh, wonderful indeed. Remember uh, Philemon chapter one. There's only one chapter in Philemon, but anyway, verse 10. 
I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. Okay, so quite a story behind that one. I'm sure Onesimus uh, never forgot that he was mentioned here in this letter. Okay, so Paul's confidence in the love of God and how that would work itself out in the lives of humanity uh, by the power of God is very, very clear. And so that's how he begins this section uh, of the final part of this letter. So honoring Paul, I say honoring Paul because Paul says, pray for me. May I be held in your hearts in a special way. In fact, even in the very way that a father is honored by his children, one would hope. So that's Paul's uh, request. So honoring Paul um, is the first section here. First section, second section rather, is honoring Paul until the end uh, in life, in life. Okay, so let's read on. There are a number of verses here to read. They're all about the same subject, that he devotes so many verses to the subject. It's pretty amazing, really, shows how important it is. So, Charlie, would you please read uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 through 9. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which he received of us. For yourselves know how ye ought to follow us, for we behave not ourselves disorderly among you. Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travail night and day, that we might not be chargeable to any of you. Not because we have not power, but to make us make ourselves an ensample unto you to follow us. Thank you, Charlie. Those last words are very important. To make ourselves an example, a type. The word in the Greek is type, tupos. To make ourselves a type unto you that you would imitate us. Okay, so they were to imitate Paul in word and in life. And here's some examples of the life. So when he was with them, he was working constantly. You might think that, well, what a mistake. He should have been preaching constantly. Well, that was not the will of God. Uh, he was working night and day as uh, apparently as a tent maker. That's what he was by trade, uh, labor in that regard, right? With uh, leather, cloth, and so forth. Uh, he says that we might not be chargeable to any of you. So he didn't want to uh, incur any obligation because that would have interfered more with his ministry than to have, what, more time to spend in teaching and preaching. That's something to take to heart. I think uh, preachers today have largely left that example behind, unfortunately. Okay, now let's continue. If uh, you would read, please, Gail, verses 10 through 15. Yes, for even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. 
Now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ, that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him, that he may be ashamed. Yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Okay, thank you, Gail. Well, in our days of governmental excess, large-scale and continually growing welfare programs, the so-called safety net, Mm -hmm. Uh, words carefully chosen, safe, safety, always words used uh, by those that want to deceive and lead astray, right? Uh, There are words that... uh, it might sort of shock a person to read because what Paul basically says is that there is no safety net. Uh, if a person will not work, let them not eat. The only safety net is other believers who, out of their hearts, want to share what they have earned and what the Lord has blessed them with, right? Uh, There's no question the Lord has provided a lot more than what we have earned uh, in the absolute sense. But uh, he does say uh, in other places, in fact, even even here, um, that we should uh, be open to help those who are in need. That's the safety net. But he does say those that will not work, let them not eat. So there's all kinds of teaching hidden just in these words, teaching concerning uh, private property, ownership uh, of property, personal responsibility, self-determination, liberty, <laughs> really capitalism in a nutshell, right? It's based on these things. Of course, capitalism is also easily warped into something evil. We all know that. But uh, there's also something else here, and it's separation. The... Uh, The fact is, believers have to be willing and ready to separate from those who are not walking the straight line that would honor God, right? And here, he's very strong in his command regarding that, right? So he says in verse 14, if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him that he may be ashamed. But then he adds, yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Another fundamental principle uh, in the churches that should be honored has been set aside nearly completely in our current day, and that is uh, the principle of separation from those that will not walk as God has called them to it's not out of wrath or or uh, anger or anything like that 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 uh, these principles are to be carried out but love he says love they're brethren they're brethren don't imply that they're not that's not the point of this okay so that's uh very interesting paul considered it extremely important 
And uh, so he enjoins the believer to separation from um, various forms of ungodliness, but not all forms of ungodliness are immoral. Uh, some are merely uh, inappropriate, as he's writing here. Uh, in verses 13 and 15 uh, and so forth, he says, Brethren, be not weary in well-doing. <clears throat> I find that pretty interesting, uh, weary in well-doing. Well, in other words, the implication is you may be doing well for a long time and not see a result. So long, so much time may have passed that you become weary, exhausted in your well-doing. He says, don't be. Don't be weary in well-doing. And it might be a long time, and there may not be any visible fruit, but nevertheless, he says, that's our responsibility. Well, he goes on now, and uh, I find uh, these last few verses quite remarkable. Uh, Roy, would you please read verses, verse 16 for us? Verse 16, the second Thessalonians 3. Now the Lord of peace himself will give you peace always by means, by all means. The Lord be with you all. Thank you, Roy. Thank you. So this in this verse, Paul is clearly promoting his authority. Now, you might wonder about why I would choose the word authority here in regard to this verse, okay? Well, again, our theme for the whole section is honoring Paul until the end and here in authority. Paul has some authority with the Lord God. If he didn't, it would be absolutely blasphemous to write the way he does. <laughs> and many of us are sometimes blasphemous when we tell God what he really needs to do, right? So is Paul here commanding God to do what he's requesting, or is this not at all the, uh, the intent? He says, now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always by all means the lord be with you all what's really happening is that paul's great authority given to him by christ himself right means that paul has a heart that corresponds with the heart of the lord paul knows the lord he knows the will of god and he knows what the lord is doing in our days okay and so when he says, now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always, by all means, what he's really saying is, praise God for his wonderful, wonderful peace. It's enough to overshadow every trial in life, right? It's enough to give a calm in the midst of any storm. And it's directly from God that this peace comes. Now, Paul was speaking. Yes, he was writing with authority, right? It's not as if he's commanding God, as if he's exhorting the children of God, right, in accordance with the will of God. And he uses the word all twice there. 
and the word peace twice. Those are emphasized, right? I find that uh, compelling. Uh, Paul was, after all, an apostle called to suffer for the sake of Christ. He was sent to the Gentiles as their apostle. He was given the revelation of the gospel of grace. And he was also given the administration of the dispensation of the grace of God. Wow, what a incredible privilege. Yes, he was in a very special position and able to write verse 16 as he does with a clean conscience and with a, a willing spirit indeed. Okay. Now, what is the peace mentioned there? Is it the peace of God or is it peace with God? Paul mentions peace with God in Romans 5.1. He mentions the peace of God in Philippians 4.7 and Colossians 3.15, right? Which is this peace? Clearly, it is the peace of God that passes all understanding that will keep, meaning guard, our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Well, now we get to the last two verses. His final blessing. We should honor Paul until the end. And his final blessing is a great, great one indeed. In fact, if you always remember this, you'll be able to honor Paul properly until the end, meaning until we're caught up into heaven's glory. Okay. What does he write there? Linda, would you read verses 17 and 18 for us, please? The salutation of Paul with mine own hand, which is the token in every epistle. So I write, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Linda. I find uh, these last two verses, along with uh, some others and a couple of other letters that are similar, to be quite remarkable. Um, you know, Paul has written about it, how he has other people often writing while he uh, dictates the letter. And that was the case here. Uh, but when we, he got to the end, he wrote his own salutation. Okay? And uh, in other words, that was the autograph, the self-writing autograph. Okay? And it wasn't his signature. He didn't write Paul. And leave it at that. What did he write? He wrote, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Okay? <clears throat> the salutation of Paul was regarding the grace of Almighty God through Jesus Christ. Okay? And uh, Paul... Uh, writes of that grace at the beginning of each letter and at the end of nearly all of them in a similar fashion. So, <laughs> wow. First uh, Corinthians 16, 21, you find the same sort of thing. And in Colossians 4, 18, in both cases, he makes also a special statement. It's even more than referring them and, and committing them to the grace of God. Usually there's something else added, okay? And uh, that is uh, certainly uh, true here as well. And in this case, it was regarding the Lord of peace, uh, giving peace by all means. Um, 
So what a blessing indeed. And on Father's Day, we could have said the same on Mother's Day, but it, I think we do well to remember the words of the Apostle John in that regard, because he wrote something in his third letter, this letter written to a man named Gaius. So 3 John chapter 1. The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, of the truth that is in thee. Even as thou walkest in the truth, even as thou walkest in the truth, and then verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. No greater joy. What greater joy could a father or mother have than this, that their children walk in truth? And so we pray constantly for our children, do we not? So praise the Lord. What an honor it is to be blessed with children. What an honor. And what great responsibility we have before the Lord to communicate God's truth to them and in word and in good word and in good work, as Paul wrote here earlier in Second Thessalonians. Praise the Lord for his wonderful grace. Amen and amen. Ah, what a what a letter this has been in the first letter to the Thessalonians as well. So we'll we'll take a couple of uh, Sunday mornings to talk more about those letters from the higher level. But uh, uh, hey, do you have any questions or or comments today? Well, I was just going to say when you look at the situation in America today, especially uh, among our uh, black uh, community the destruction of the father in the home and what it's done to our whole society oh mm -hmm. yeah yes indeed absolutely yeah because without respect for their father i think respect for god goes with that i, I think it's a uh, if you have no respect for your for your father and your parents in general then i don't see how you have any respect for god or any res true respect, right? Right, for law and order or anything. Yeah. I think taking those fathers out of the homes uh, have, have, are going to bring to our, our destruction. Yes, and uh, what does Paul exhort the, uh, the wives to respect their husbands and the husbands to love their wives? And again, that tends to be an issue for many. And... Um, but that may go back to fathers as well, right? So, so well, yeah. yeah. If a man has a fine example uh, in his father loving his his wife and mm -hmm. honoring God, then he will treat his wife and God, you know, I think the same way. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Examples are far more powerful than uh, we may think. That's what we're saying. 
Yes. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we do thank you and we praise you. We would be nothing apart from how you've intersected in our lives. We'd be cast off and on the refuse heap, as it were, of humanity and, and living as many do uh, to d their own destruction, both in this life and eternally. But Father, you uh, reached out, you intersected I love to say that you intersected with us in our lives when we did not know you, when we weren't even seeking at all. You uh, came into our lives in various ways, ways, sometimes by the example of others, sometimes through a word of truth that someone may have shared, sometimes through a book that someone may have written, uh, like Jesus Loves Me by her brouch, sometimes in other ways. But Father, you intersected and you continue to do that. You protected us from evil. And as, as, as Jacob wrote so many years ago, you fed me every day of my life and protected me from evil. Oh, Lord God, we praise you and honor you now and will honor you and praise you forever. And uh, we just rejoice, Father. Uh, to take time out to consider how dependent we were upon our mothers and our fathers in our youth and how we still have uh, our memories and they are powerful. So Father, thank you. And for those whose memories are lacking or aren't what they would have liked, Father, I pray that you'd cleanse the hearts and the minds and may the love of God and uh, of Christ our Lord Jesus and uh, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit uh, be with us now and and always Father we thank you in Christ's name and amen amen amen